Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. If you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.surechurch.com. The following sermon was preached on Ash Wednesday, 2022, on the basis of Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. sermon text for today is from our gospel lesson, which comes from uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the gospel of the Lord. Every time Jesus tells a parable, he has a purpose and an occasion for doing so. And here we get the occasion and the purpose right off the bat. There were some at at this time that were in earshot of Jesus anyways that were confident that they were pretty good people. But maybe even one step more than that, they were confident that they were righteous, meaning that they they had a right relationship between them and God. And and so that was the occasion and the purpose for Jesus telling this parable. Now, this isn't the first time that Jesus has encountered something like this. Uh, Self-righteousness is is not a a very rare thing. Um, And and in other times, Jesus has confronted it in different ways. But here, he seems to say, let me show you instead of tell you. And, And so he tells this parable. And he introduces us to two characters. The first character is a Pharisee. Now, a lot of you have heard of the Pharisees. A lot of you have this picture in your head of who the Pharisees were, and, and maybe the picture in your head is that the Pharisees are the bad guys, right? The Pharisees are the ones that are trying to, to put Jesus to death. The Pharisees are, are the ones that are always butting heads with Jesus. But here's the thing. That's not how their culture looked at the Pharisees. The Pharisees were not the bad guys. In fact, the Pharisees, they were the religious men of the day. The Pharisees, by anybody's measuring, were good people. They were upright. They were the pillars of the society. In fact, people looked up to the Pharisees because of that, because they were moral and upright, and because they were the leaders of a society like this. Now, that's not too far outside of our imagination, right? Uh, we have people like that in our culture, too. Uh, maybe they, they wouldn't be, maybe they'd be the religious leaders, maybe they, they wouldn't be, maybe they would be somebody else, but we have people that we maybe laud for their morality, for how upright they are. We have people that we, we sing praises uh, almost to in, in maybe newspapers and in books and in movies because they have a, a, a genuine care and concern 
for other people, and by anybody's estimation in this world, they are a good person. And so maybe we can understand the context of this a little bit. When he's talking about a Pharisee, he's talking about somebody like that. So this Pharisee, he is on his way to the temple, and when he gets to the temple, he's looking for a place to pray. And when he finds a place, he stands and he prays, which wouldn't have been that unusual in that day to stand and pray, and they might have prayed with their hands out like this, and and even looking up, that wasn't a, a strange thing either. Now, we don't know in the parable, it doesn't really make clear whether he was speaking this out loud for others to hear as well, or if he was saying this in his head, but either way, we get the content of his prayer, and Jesus says, here's what the content is of his prayer. God, I thank you. I thank you that I'm not like other people, like those robbers or evildoers or adulterers or even like that Pharisee or even like that tax collector over there. In fact, he also adds two virtuous acts that kind of put him over and above the level of obedience that maybe was expected at that time. He fasts twice a week and he gives a tenth of all that he gets. So that's character number one. Character number two that we're introduced to is the tax collector, which if we're on a spectrum here, we're going to the other, other side here. The tax collectors were the lowlifes of that society. And they were considered that because of their profession, because honestly, a lot of people who were tax collectors had kind of earned them that reputation. Uh, they were seen as robbers, as swindlers. They were seen as thieves. Uh, they, were, they were the guys who were, as their name says, responsible for collecting the taxes for the Roman government, but a lot of times when they'd show up at a door at a doorstep, uh, they, would, they would give the amount that, they were supposed, that the person was supposed to pay, except they would raise the price a little bit, and they would keep that extra price for themselves. Now, now this wasn't true of every single tax collector, but this was how tax collectors were seen. They were seen as thieves. They were seen as robbers. People didn't really like them a whole lot. Add to that the fact that the, the tax collectors were also seen as, as traitors. At least the, the Jewish tax collectors were. A Jewish person couldn't understand how, how another Jewish person could, could do the bidding of an oppressive Roman Empire. And so this is what the, the culture would have thought of a tax collector at that time. Now again, I, I don't think this is too far outside of our imagination because we have people in our society that, that maybe we would consider something similar, right? Uh, maybe even by their very profession, uh, we, we would say maybe they're a vulgar person. They got a vulgar mouth. We, we assume that about them. Maybe they don't have their life together so much because they're, they're doing that. Uh, maybe we, we make this assumption based on, on their general interests in life. We, we just assume that they are, are prone to immorality in a way that other people aren't. So we can understand maybe a little bit of the context of who a tax collector was to those people in that day. So this tax collector, he's on the way to the temple just like the, the Pharisee was. And just like the Pharisee was going to do, he was going to, to pray. But rather than, than finding a place kind of out in the open to pray, he, he kind of finds a place over in the, the corner, isolated from, from everyone else. And he kind of takes a different, um, a different posture in his prayer. He, he's sorrowful over his, his sin. And he can't, he's so sorrowful over his sin that he can't even lift his, 
his head up, his head is down, and he beats his breast. He's very upset over his sin. This is an outward sign of his, of his inner anguish. That's our second character for this parable. So Jesus is setting this up as a contrast, and he's doing it on purpose. He wants you to, to contrast the, the Pharisee and the tax collector as characters. Their, their words, he wants you to see the difference in their words. He wants you to see the difference in their actions. So let, let's dig a little deeper. And let's ask two questions. Let's, let's ask, what did these two men think about God? And what did these two men think about themselves? So let, let's start with the, the Pharisee. How did the Pharisee view God? Well, the Pharisee thought that God was a God who loved morality and good behavior, and he was going to praise that. In fact, if God was putting together a banquet that was going to be in, in heaven and it was going to last for eternity, he, he wouldn't want to spend it with the bad people, right? He, he'd want to spend eternity with the good people. That, that was who the, the Pharisee thought God was. That God was a God who, who kept a ranking system of, of sorts that ranked you based on your obedience and those who were higher on those charts, God smiled on those people. That, that's gives you an idea anyways of, of what the Pharisee might have thought about God. And we also get from that what the Pharisee thought about himself. Because he thought that he was a guy that, that God was smiling on. In terms of his life, he had put together a pretty good life. He had made pretty good decisions for himself. And by, by anybody's estimation, he was a good, a good man and that he would probably be in, in heaven with Jesus as well. In fact, he probably had references too. He probably had people who could back him up and say, yeah, this, this guy was a good guy. He, he was a benefit to society and he made people's life better around them. But I want us to focus in real quick. Focus in real quick on how this Pharisee uh, tried to justify himself. Because he does so not using absolute terms, but using relative terms. What I mean by that is he's comparing himself to other people, right? He's comparing himself to the robbers, to the evildoers, to the adulterers, and to that tax collector over there. And that's how he is trying to justify himself. That's how he's trying to make himself righteous. And frankly, that's a pretty easy tactic to fall into, isn't it? And it's, it's a tactic that kind of makes us feel good sometimes, to be able to, to have the, the moral upper hand, we kind of like that. To be able to, to sit back and admire all the good decisions that you've made in life, because at least your life hasn't turned out like that person who made all of those crummy decisions and their life ended up to be a mess because of those things, but mine's so good because I made, I made those good decisions. It's good to feel like you're the moral superior, right? And there's certain things that, that amplify this for us. Social media is pretty good for, for something like this. It's, it's wrought with the temptation of comparing yourself to other people. It, you can log into to your account and, and see what your, your grade school classmates were doing, what your, what your high school classmates are doing today. And a lot of times we come out looking pretty rosy in those comparisons, don't we? You got off of work today and you came to church. On a Wednesday, <laughs> what, do you think your, what do you think your friends are doing? 
They, they head into the bar to get drunk again tonight, to waste their paycheck in front of a video lottery machine. Are, are they meeting with their, their lawyer because they're heading into their third divorce? We look pretty good in comparison to these, don't we? But evaluate that. Where are we looking to justify ourselves? Where are we looking to, to find our righteousness? We're looking to, to find our righteousness in our comparisons, right? In our own virtues. We're looking to find our righteousness apart from Christ. Now, I want, to, want you to make special note of, of, of this case here uh, because when we, we make these comparisons, they're, they're never absolute, they're relative. They're always between us and another sinful human being. They're, they're not between us and God's standard. Because we know that if we were held to God's standard, that we wouldn't be able to stand. We know if that we were held to God's standard, we would not take the posture of the Pharisee, but we would take the posture of the tax collector. He, he took a much different posture, didn't he? I want to point out just three things to you here. First, he comes into the temple, but rather than standing in a, in a place where everyone can see him, he goes off into the corner. He goes off into the corner because this isn't about what other people think about him. This is about him and his relationship with God. And as he's in that corner, he can't even lift his eyes, right? He can't lift his eyes because he knows that he's unworthy. He's unworthy not because he's, he's worse than that person or that person or that person. He's unworthy because he's holding himself to God's standard and he knows that he does not measure up. And then it says he beats his breast. This, this was maybe a, a pretty violent act, but he was just so distraught over, over failing God yet again that, that it manifested in, in this physical act. He is upset with himself over his sin and what his sin has done to him and his relationship with God. And then he says this, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Now it's kind of a cool thing here. Uh, this actually also could be translated, God have mercy on me, the sinner. As in, I'm not comparing myself to anyone else. I am the sinner. He's not rationalizing. He's not minimizing. He's not making any excuses. He is owning up to this sin. This sin is, is his. And this isn't false piety. This isn't a show. This is a man who has genuine and contrite sorrow or genuine sorrow over his sin. It could have looked differently. Repentance for you might look differently than this. You might not sit there and beat your breast. You might not go into a corner and confess your sin. But his heart is contrite. He's sorrowful over his, his sin. And he knows he hasn't kept God's law. What God cares about is certainly the heart. So we know how this man views himself. But how does this tax collector view God? To consider that, I want you to, to think about this. The Pharisee believed that he could approach God in prayer because he was virtuous, because he was righteous. He, he felt confident in being able to, to talk to God because he had these things to offer God. He fasts twice a week. And he gives a tenth of all he has, and he's not like those people over there. That's why the Pharisee felt like he could approach God in prayer. Why in the world did the tax collector think he could approach God? 
He didn't have anything to offer him. He didn't have any virtuous acts to give to God in payment for, for talking to him in prayer. He didn't have anything to offer for, for his forgiveness. The tax collector knew that he could approach God in prayer because the very thing that the tax collector begged for, mercy, is the very thing that defines God. God is a merciful God. God doesn't give us what our sins deserve because if he did, we would, re- we would return to dust and we would go to eternal punishment. But he doesn't give us what our sins deserve. He, he saved us from our-, our sins and gives us eternal life. And the tax collector knew that. He knew he was talking to a merciful God. He knew he was talking to a God that takes sin seriously, but that forgives sin. That would He's talking to a God that would rather die than to see you die or to see the, the tax collector die. He knew he was talking to a merciful God, and that's your God too. He wanted you to be forgiven so bad that, that he went and he died on the cross for all of your sins so that you could be. So that by his blood, you have been cleansed. You've been made as white as snow, and you have been washed in the water that has changed you as well. It's kind of a cool thing about Ash Wednesday, I think. It is, you come up and you receive the ashes on your hand or on your head, and you walk around with that for a little while, right? We won't walk around with it too much today, right? You'll probably wash it off before you go to bed. What are you going to wash it off with? Maybe a little soap, but, but water, right? Isn't that a cool picture? That, that we're going to wash this off with water just like Jesus washed us off with water in, in baptism. Just as he washed us clean of all of our sins. Just as he washed us clean of, of, of the effects of our sins. What we heard today, remember that you are dust. We are confronted with our own mortality. We know what we deserve for our sin, yet Jesus took that away. He washed it away in the waters of baptism, and that's yours for your whole life. Let that be your reminder as you wash off your, your ashes tonight, that, that you live in baptismal grace. And because that, of that, you can trust that you approach a merciful God. So at the beginning of the sermon, we said there is a, a what purpose and an occasion for a, a parable, right? And this one is because... People thought that they were righteous on their own. They, they felt like they were pretty good people in the, in the sight of God. And so Jesus tells this parable to, to them and in turn to us today and says, let go of that. Let, let go of your pride. Let go of this myth of your own self-righteousness because, first of all, you're not righteous on your own, but, but next, you don't have to be because Jesus has made you righteous he became sin for us so that you could be, so that we could be the righteousness of God. All that's left to do is repent and believe. Because by that, the devil is crushed and so is our self-righteousness. Amen.